News of President Trump testing positive for the coronavirus has roiled the country, perhaps throwing even more chaos into an already frenetic election year. Trump has been casting doubts on the validity of any election results for some time. And during Tuesday's debate, he suggested that the presidential election will be contested and that it might get ugly if he doesn't win. I am urging my people. I hope it's going to be a fair election. If it's a fair election, I am 100 percent on board. But if I see tens of thousands of ballots being manipulated, I can't go along with that. Joining me is elections law expert Richard Brafault, a professor at Columbia Law School. Rich, start by explaining how the law gives states the power to take electoral votes back from the voters. As everyone knows, the election for president is really an election decided by the Electoral College. And every state has provided that its electoral votes will be determined by who wins the popular election on November 3rd. However, under the Constitution, the state legislatures have the right to decide how their electoral votes are going to be cast. And although this has never happened since state legislatures have collectively decided to entrust this decision to the popular vote, the issue has been raised about whether or not after Election Day, the state legislature of any given state could decide to cast that state's electoral vote on its own. That issue has never come up before, and we don't know what would happen if the state legislature, after Election Day, passes a law that says we're giving our electoral votes to so-and-so. But that issue has come up partly because of efforts raised by the president and others to cast a cloud over the legitimacy of the popular vote at a time when more people than ever are going to be voting by mail. One issue is how long will it take to get the popular vote tabulated and what issues are going to be raised about that and to what extent Trump and the Republicans are going to try and deny the legitimacy of the popular vote if it goes against them as a way of justifying an action by a state legislature, say like in Pennsylvania or Wisconsin, to get its electoral vote to Trump. So what does the timetable for this look like? The timetable for this is partly driven by something called the Electoral Count Act. So in 1887, following the disputed election of 1876, Congress passed a law trying to bind itself in the future as to how it would deal with disputed sets of electoral votes. And what it said is that so long as the state resolves any disputes about who's won its electoral votes by six days before the Electoral College is supposed to meet, this year, it's December 16th, and provided that the state resolves all its disputes by six days before that, Congress has pledged to accept the winner of the state's electoral vote. So that's sometimes called the safe harbor deadline. They can still take those results later. There's nothing that prohibits them from accepting later results. Those deadlines are really an artifact of Congress, but it's effectively about five weeks after Election Day. And one question is, will five weeks be enough time, not just to tabulate all the absentee votes, but also to resolve the many challenges that are likely to be brought against them? Several states are involved in fights, disputes, over allowing election officials to begin counting absentee ballots before Election Day. What's the general rule? Is there a general rule about counting absentee ballots before Election Day? The general rule in the states is that they are not allowed to. I think it's a concern that those early tabulations will somehow get out, and that will somehow influence the voting that's going to happen on Election Day. So nearly all states, or maybe all states, prohibit any counting before Election Day. There are some, some states allow um, what's called a processing to begin earlier than that. 
tabulating election uh, absentee votes or mail-in votes is, is trickier than regular votes because, remember, they, they come in this outside envelope. So some states do allow, and the call is being made for more states to do this, is to at least to begin the process of, of processing, which is to say checking the signatures on the outside of the envelope to match them with signatures on file uh, so that they can see if it's a valid vote, opening it up, uh, getting it kind of straightening it out, as if you will, and getting it ready to feed into the tabulation machine. I mean, part of the it just it's more work to process an absentee vote. You really do have to check the signature on the outside, open it up. I don't know what the mechanics exactly, but to kind of fold it and get it ready to submit to the tabulation. And so, a number of states do allow that process to begin uh, earlier, and the call is being made to allow more states to do that. It even makes a difference when on election day this is allowed. Some states don't allow it to begin until the polls have closed. Others will allow it to start on election day itself. And that can make a big difference in terms of when we get a final count. So there's been a call in a number of states either to ease the law on this or to do administratively at least the processing, the getting it ready to be counted rather than the actual count, rather than the actual count, and to have that all set to go either on election day or on election night, depending on the law of the individual state. So now this brings up a recent case in Pennsylvania, a swing state, obviously, where nine military ballots were discarded. It was announced that seven of those were voting for President Trump. And the officials, the election officials, said that this was caused by a temporary seasonal independent contractor on their first day at work. President Trump knew about the case, talked about the case before it was announced. So this brings up questions of, well, first, ballot secrecy. Yeah, now this clearly was a mistake, but it is interesting how this went straight to the White House and how the White House, through the local U.S. attorney who made a public statement, even though normally they wouldn't do that, they would investigate first. Uh, and I think it, it just also just underscores, you know, how much work it takes to process the absentee ballots. And, you know, the need to have a better, you need to be fully funded and to have a good system. Um, so, you know, I think it, it also shows that, in fact, it's not clear that people vote absentee are all Democrats. Um, but it sounds like there were actual mistakes that were made also in the, on the ballots themselves. And which I don't think anyone is, I'm not sure anyone has challenged the fact that these ballots were properly discarded and that there were mistakes. Um, but it is interesting that the information went went straight to the Justice Department to the White House. Are election officials allowed to open these ballots before the election and announce, oh, seven were for President Trump? Uh, they're not allowed to do that, no. I mean, whether or not to, whether they were allowed to sort of begin the processing, that's a good question. And sometimes, uh, I don't know enough about the details, uh, but as I say, sometimes you can begin the processing earlier. I think the, I think the leak on who the votes were from came from the U.S. attorney, not from the elections officials. President Trump has also said that only the votes that are known on election night matter. Why is he saying that? Well, part of this, I think, relates to what is sometimes called the blue shift, and this year is being called the red mirage. Well, in the past, I don't think it made a big difference between Democrats and Republicans who votes by mail. In recent election cycles, I think you've been seeing a slightly higher percentage of Democrats vote by mail so that the election night numbers will be a bit more Republican than the total numbers. This has certainly been true nationally because the states that have the heaviest use of mail-in ballots are on the West Coast. 
Washington, Oregon, California. And so you may remember in 2016, Hillary Clinton's election night popular vote margin of about a half a million or more grew over time to about two and a half million as more and more votes came in from the West Coast. So the assumption is, especially this year, with the president basically telling Republicans not to vote by mail, that the election night vote in the close states will show a Republican lead, which will be offset over the next couple of days as the mail-in votes are tabulated. He's basically saying we should ignore the late votes. We should ignore the mail-in votes. Now, an article in The Atlantic said that Republicans in the swing state of Pennsylvania have considered how the state legislature could appoint electors of their own choosing in the absence of a clear election night win. At what point does the law give them the authority to do that? It's not clear that it would ever be legitimate, though it might be constitutional in that right. Remember, for example, in Bush versus Gore, it took them five weeks to figure out who won Florida. And even then, they hadn't really figured it out. The Supreme Court came in and stopped the count. So we have had many elections in which a result was not known on election night or even a week later. Remember also that under federal law, military ballots are entitled to be received and counted up until 10 days after election day. So actually, under federal law, you really can't have a final result until 10 days after election day. Um, whether or not the state legislature could just step in and declare a winner, um, the couple of questions come up. One is, is it the state legislature alone, or what about the governor? I mean, Pennsylvania has a Democratic governor. What if he tried to veto this? It's an unclear question as to whether the legislature could do this without passing a law that the governor, uh, which eligible for the governor to veto. It's also quite possible that you might have two competing set of electorates. If the votes continue to be counted, maybe there are legal challenges and those get resolved by the, in the state or federal court system. Uh, you might actually have one set of electors that gets certified by the Secretary of State in Pennsylvania and another who are declared by the state legislature. Um, and the governor, uh, the governor approves the Secretary of State's certification and sends that set of electors um, to Washington. Um, under Again, under the Electoral Count Act, the, the Congress is supposed to accept the governor's certification in case there's a dispute. But of course, what Congress does will be up to Congress. Uh, and that, Congress, in this case, means the two houses sitting together, and we might have a Democratic House representative, and we might still have a Republican Senate. So what Congress actually does when faced with two competing sets of electors, we don't know. North Carolina is also drawing a lot of attention because two Republican members of the state election board resigned over a court settlement over mail-in voting practices. How unusual is that? And are they resigning just to bring attention to this settlement? They may be doing that, you know, as a kind of a protest. Um, so now North Carolina has, I think, made, made some steps to make absentee voting easier. Uh, and they're obviously protesting it, and this could be a setup for some subsequent action by the North Carolina legislature. I mean, that's the kind of the kind of meltdown that we're facing here is close votes in a number of key states uh, where it's possible that, you know, that the absentee votes, the mail-in votes, will be the margin of victory for the winner. Uh, and you see Republicans all from the president on down trying to delegitimate these absentee votes even though absentee votes have always been cast and always been counted. It is true that in many states now, many more will be cast and counted than ever before. Probably many more will be cast and not counted because people make mistakes with absentee votes, especially if you've never done it before. So I suspect there'll be a lot of challenges to absentee votes that were accepted, and there'll probably be a lot of challenges to absentee votes that weren't accepted. 
because there's a, there is a higher error rate with absentee votes. There's more is expected of the voter than absentee voting, particularly that signature uh, on the outer envelope, which many people find strange, given that this is supposed to be um, a secret vote. Well, that signature is, in effect, the equivalent of showing your ID or, show, or, or signing when you come to the polling place, and that outer ballot, that outer envelope is supposed to be discarded uh, or at least put separately. Um, and then your inner, the inner envelope is, is, is not signed, and that's the one that's then open to get your vote. Why is there almost an assumption that the Supreme Court will have to decide this presidential election? The only time they've ever done it was in 2000, and there it all turned on kind of a narrow issue in one state. Many people were surprised that the Supreme Court took that case, so it's hard to make any predictions at all. The Supreme Court is not supposed to be the judge of election returns. It is possible that there will be constitutional issues that are raised that will bring the Supreme Court in. And also, it sometimes takes a while to get to the Supreme Court. That's really not going to come in immediately. I've been reading about that the RNC had been under a consent decree going back to the yeah. 80s when yeah. Democrats accused it of violating the rights of black and Latino voters. So now that consent decree has expired, and the RNC is apparently making moves to bolster poll watchers and also people watching over the counting of ballots. Is that going to be allowed? Do Democrats do it? Yeah, that, there was a, that goes back to the 1980s. You're right, and there was a dispute that Republicans trying to intimidate uh, black and Latino voters. Um, there, depending on the rules of the state, I mean, there can, there can be... Uh, poll observational, usually at a distance from the polls itself. Uh, and yes, typically in the counting of ballots or counting, and certainly in recounts and disputes, typically there are representatives of, of, of both parties. Most election boards are designed to be bipartisan. Um, I mean, the real question is not so much the watching as the how it happens. Will there be intimidation? Will there be coercion? Will there be force? Um, you know, as there there were some efforts along those lines in Florida, it was a kind of the so-called Brooks Brothers riot when Republicans kind of protested uh, vehemently efforts on the Miami-Dade uh, canvassing boards when they were doing their recounts. It is important that this be transparent. It is also important that the people who actually run the process not be intimidated and that voters not be intimidated. What's the most important of the cases that we've talked about? Well, right the now. big case is really the one that's coming out of Pennsylvania, not those nine ballots, but the Pennsylvania Supreme Court did something very important for which the Republicans are trying to take to the Supreme Court. The Democrats asked for five ways of liberalizing the state's laws, and the state Supreme Court gave them two. Uh, one was based on an interpretation of, of the state's uh, uh, mail-in voting law, in which the state Supreme Court upheld the decision of the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania to allow the counties to have multiple drop, multiple places for drop boxes. So when you return your, your absentee vote, your mail-in vote, you can mail it through a postal mailbox, but many places, although the, elect, the local elections board will set up effectively a drop box, a place where you can deposit it directly with the board of elections. Um, um, the counties want to have those in many places around their jurisdiction. The Republicans were arguing that under the law, they were only allowed to have one per county presumably at the Board of Elections itself. And the state Supreme Court said interpreting the state's own mail, uh, vote, um, vote by mail law, which was adopted actually in 2019, before COVID, said we read that law to give the county board's discretion to have multiple drop boxes. That's being challenged uh, as, an as a mistaken interpretation of state law because it's going to lead to inequality across the counties. 
The other, maybe even more important, possibly just as important, maybe more so, is the state Supreme Court on its own kind of equity powers said, we're going to extend the deadline for the receipt of uh, mail-in votes from Election Day until three days later, until that Thursday, um, because, and they relied heavily on this, of the statement by the U.S. Postal Service, by the Postmaster General, that delays in, 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 the, in the Postal Service's processing things, processing mail, means that it could take up to five days, uh, three more days than, than before for mail to be returned. And they said, consistent with Pennsylvania's law that allows voters to request an absentee ballot up to seven days before Election Day, consistent with that voter's request getting to the Board of Elections, the Board of Elections responding, and, the vote, and then the voter sending the ballot back, they need to have three more days uh, for votes to be returned. And now that's being challenged. Both of these actions are being challenged. Uh, the, the Republicans in Pennsylvania have actually asked the U.S. Supreme Court to hear this because it was decided by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, so the next highest court would be the U.S. Supreme Court. Supreme Court, the Republicans are challenging both of these as going beyond the, what the legislature of Pennsylvania had authorized, and therefore is unconstitutional given the power, given what they claim is the exclusive power of the legislature to set the rules for federal elections. So that's going to be an important case if the Supreme Court agrees to hear it or agrees, or agrees to stay the Pennsylvania Supreme Court's decision. We will possibly know that soon. That's Richard Brafault of Columbia Law School. I'm June Grosso. Thanks so much for listening. And please tune into the Bloomberg Law Show every weeknight at 10 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio.